Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. E-I-E-I-O? Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not to three. Yeah! Hello everyone, I'm Charles and welcome to It's All Cobblers to Me. There's lots to get through this week, what with two home wins, the very real possibility of a late playoff push and the Supporters Trust public meeting. Joining me this week as usual is Neil and replacing Danny, who is serving a one-week ban, we welcome former Chronicle and Echo Cobblers reporter and current Sky Sports WWE correspondent, brace yourself, it's Jefferson Lake. Welcome, Jeff. You okay? I'm very well, Charles. How are you? Yeah, not bad. And how are you, Neil? Are you good? Always, always good and very pleased to see that Danny has stayed away considering he got red carded last week. So, and happy to have Jeff on. Looking forward to giving Jeff lots of ribbing. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. It'd be great. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm looking forward to it. I am a subscriber of the podcast and you do great work. So, pleased to be part of it. You're still getting ribbon, Jeff, no matter what you say. So, no, I've had loads of nice stuff to Charles before you turned up and he promised me you were both going to be very nice to me. And then we'll edit all of that out. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. So, on Sunday, the Supporters Trust held their public meeting into fan ownership, and around 100 people were in attendance to hear the views of Nick Hawker and Elaine Davis from Exeter City, Ashley Brown of Supporters Direct and Portsmouth Football Club, and Roy Crutchley from Phipps Brewery. Neil, you went along to the meeting on our behalf. So, what, what did you make of it? <sighs> Good question, Charles. I went. I went there with a a very open mind, as requested by Andy Roberts. I went there open to everything, so I I did my duty there. I've got to be honest, I only made it to the first break, and then I left. Um, Number one, I was pretty hungover, (laughs) so I was struggling. Number two, I took my girlfriend, who was not enjoying the experience and didn't really entirely know what was going on and kept tapping me saying can we go yet can we go yet was it a date it was it was my date for her yeah it was my turn to pick and i picked the trust (laughs) meeting so wow (laughs) she's a lucky lady have you heard from us so unfortunately yeah it didn't work she's still here (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> set a date and everything set, you, set a date for the wedding <laughs> that's how bad it yeah. went <laughs> um, I thought the so there's, there's two parts to it there's, I know we're going to come on and discuss the, the document they shared um, which so I'll save my thoughts on that to come I actually thought the information provided by the guest speakers was really good uh, and I thought it was pretty clear uh, So especially probably a little bit less so the, the Portsmouth one because there are much bigger club than us and it, it was a very different scenario and they've since been bought by um 
that ex-Disney guy, uh, Eisner, is it? Um, so that was a little bit different. But actually, I thought the Exeter stuff they talked about was interesting. And it, and it was, I think maybe the the preconception that certainly some people had of the meeting maybe was that it was going to be, you know, talking about what the trust are actually going to do and what their plan is. And, and actually, it wasn't that at all. It was more a case of, you know, this is some of the stuff that's being done elsewhere in the football community and what can we take from it and what could work here. Um, so on, on that basis, I thought it was good. Uh, it, at times, it, it drag on a little bit, if I'm honest. Um, but maybe that was because I was hungover. One of the things that I noticed that came out of the meeting that was um, in the... Um, in the Supporters Trust actual report of it, which is on their Facebook page, um, they said that the the Exeter um, contingent said about how it's not so much about the football, it's about the community and, and having the football club at the heart of the community. And one of the things that I sort of picked out from it was that that might mean that the club don't have the success that football fans crave. And I... I I think that he might have even said something along the lines of we might actually have to get relegated at some point, but as long as the football club survives, that's the most important thing. Um, what did you make of that, that that statement? Do you think that that is something that actually the the Northampton fan in general would, would allow to happen or be happy about happening? <laughs> some people would, I'm sure. Some people that are staunchly behind anything fan ownership and completely for fan ownership and and i'm sure there's arguments that that would never happen here etc etc my my real takeaway from it i I actually felt that the exeter stuff the stuff that then at exeter is good and it and it works for them to a point And, and i got that a little bit from the portsmouth thing as well that fan ownership in whatever model it is can take you to a certain level and a certain certain place but at that point you're going to need you know, to sell to a private investor or a big backer or whatever, similar to what Portsmouth have done. And, and my takeaway from it a little bit was it seems to be something for when when the club's in strife uh, and, and you know, the, the, the community group and the community can step in, save the club and build it back up, ready to pass on to someone um, that can take it to the next level, which is how I took it. And that's my, my takeaway from it. I actually thought some of the stuff the Exeter guys were talking about was stuff that I know happens at the club already. Um, they were talking about sort of having a, spe- a specific kids section and that sort of thing, um, which, you know, the club already has. So I, I thought that was quite interesting. I thought it was interesting how, I can't remember the, the extra guy's name, but he was talking about how they the club is in debt to them by uh, something like £850,000 or something like that. I could be wrong with that figure, but it was something around that. Um, and it was very clear to point out that but they would never call it in. And then he added on at the end, certainly not within the next five years. So there was some stuff out of it that, yes, was really interesting. There's also some stuff out of it that didn't didn't get me on board, if that makes sense. What What's your take of all this, Jeff? You, you've obviously been kind of out of the loop a little bit. Very much related, so. But I'm sure you followed the, the story online as to what's yeah. been going on. Yeah, I mean, I obviously, I still follow, I mean, I follow you guys and uh, Jeremy Casey and the Cron and everyone on Twitter. I've read, I've read all the reports from this meeting at the weekend. To me, it felt 
like um, it was a more of like a broad strokes thing, um, you know, kind of like introducing people to the concept of, of fan ownership and, and that model rather than any sort of finer details and what that might look like for a club like Northampton. Now, what I would imagine is they will be to come those things like how the Exeter model or the Portsmouth model can be implemented for Northampton. Um, and there was, I actually, I actually think there's loads of good stuff in there. Um, you know, like especially the cooperation with local businesses. Um, there was a guy from Phipps Brewery, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong on that, who'd sort of said some good things about how they'd like to get involved. And I think that's a good conversation to be having about bringing in other local businesses and making it more of like a cooperative thing. Um, a few things with other sports clubs as well. But like Neil, you kind of touched on it there. It, a lot of this stuff, and, you know, especially sort of making the club the heart of the community. Well, do they kind of not try to do that now anyway? Um, they do loads. Of, they have a whole community department. Um, they're always going to schools, doing free, you know free coaching and stuff. Um, my wife works at a school, and and she got in contact with the club, and they've sent first team players to to events to speak to students and things like that, uh, and give presentations and, and and do coaching and free tickets and stuff. Just I think what really needs to happen next is for them to kind of drill down on the details of of what they mean. Um, you know, generally, as a general rule, I am in favour of fan ownership and more more fan involvement. Um, I think we just need to know what it's going to look like. Um, and the thing that the club will ask, and um, Kelvin Thomas, I'm certain, will say, is where is the money? That that will be their their bottom line question. Who who's paying? Because if that the extra people, if they're 850 grand in debt, where where's that come from? You know, has, has a bank loaned them that money or is there someone else behind the scenes? Because if you're, a, you know, relatively small supporters trust, there is, no, there is no way you can raise those kind of funds. Well, they that question came up, didn't it? Whereas, well, I think it was specific, was it potentially is even... Um... Was it Wendy from that works? It at wasn't the Wendy who asked the question. She asked the question beforehand, um, just before that question. So the last question was that question: Where's the money going to come from? Um, Wendy had asked the question just before that, which was basically, "Have you got the backers?" or mm. something like that. And and the reply that she got was a single word: "Yes," and that was it. And then the question was asked by somebody else in the room about. Well, how are you going to actually afford to buy the club? It's interesting, isn't it? That the, this is the sort of thing which frustrates me, um, and I'm not too dissimilar to you, Jeff. Actually, in terms of, I'm not definitely not against. I think more fan involvement is a positive thing, and the more collaborative and unified it is, the better it is for everyone. What what I don't like is is sort of a little bit of double standards, almost, uh, or or you know, and what I mean by that is that you know the the people that are staunchly for fan ownership and sort of back it no mm, matter what. And can see no other options. Yeah. Can see no other option. And, and their and their argument is, well, you know, the club don't tell us anything and they keep stuff from us. And then in this first public meeting that, that the trust have had and commendably they've arranged it and it's definitely worth investigating and looking at, there's a question that arises, you know, do you have the money or do you have a backer? Yes. We can't say who it is for commercial sensitivity. That's no different to the club saying things are progressing with the East End. We can't talk about it for commercial sensitivity reasons. There's no difference whatsoever. And 
I, I think you, you, you've got to sort of practice what you preach if you're going to say then you've just got to be absolutely open and honest about everything otherwise you're going to leave yourselves open to that sort of criticism i think also you've got one of the things that you mentioned before there jeff about you know the the it, it kind of gave more questions and answers for me granted i wasn't there i have read the report obviously neil you've told me a lot of what you heard that you can remember um and one of the th- one of the things that, that has come up a few times is this this thing of bringing the three sporting clubs of Northampton closer together. Now, that is basically just just been put there as almost like a statement. That's one of the things that we want to do. The question that I have is, well, how are you going to do that? Um, we will come on to it in a moment. There's this whole thing of Team Northampton that was in the document. Um, Personally, I can't see the Saints or the Steelbacks being happy to sort of basically relinquish their identities to form what it it, it seemed to me like they, what they wanted to do was form one big club that had sports club that had three different offerings of football, cricket and rugby. My understanding of that, and this is why I think it would be important for them to the next stage to present these finer details to clarify what these things are going to look like, is I I assumed that would be some kind of sharing of like marketing resources, um, even maybe customer databases, things like that. Clearly, a lot more cooperation with fixtures. I mean, that only really applies to the Cobblers and the Saints. There's not really ever any issue with cricket. Um, You know, like combining... um, for working together for more on a corporate level you know if you if you've got a box at the cricket you get a discount on a box at the cobblers and you get this at the saints you might get this and sharing best practice among the three but i mean how how much overlap is there between the the fan groups and the sort of the businesses that are sponsoring them um and how you know how much really more can the cobblers do in terms of going and getting the um the people to come in and, and uh, on the corporate side of things. I mean, when I was there, I, I mean, I, I don't know if this is the case now, but the restaurant was full every week, every every Saturday. Um, you couldn't get you couldn't get tables. You know, the games games were being sold out weeks and months in advance, um, and they couldn't really accommodate any more people. And that's one of the reasons why they need to do the East Stand. So it just needs a little bit more of that that detail um, applying to it. I think with that. Um, you know, an overall team Northampton. I mean, I don't really know what what would that mean. What 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 do you guys interpret that to mean? Well, I think that's that's the question, isn't it? I don't no. think anybody really knows unless Neil's going to now jump in with a grand master plan that he's come up with. <laughs> you don't know me well, do you, Charles? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't think it's. Uh, who knows? We're, we're trying to guess what it means, aren't we? And that's that's the point. I I agree that this sort of stuff. It sounds on paper. It sounds great. Where's the context to it? We need that, and we need to understand it more to be able to form a proper opinion on it. And what I'd, I think, what I'd like to see is, I'd really like to see them working with the club on this, and and working together as opposed to against each other um, from both sides. And I know, you know, there's probably a bit of a, certainly a bit of tension between both the club and the trust at the moment. Ultimately, surely everyone wants the same outcome and everyone wants a a positive forward-thinking club. Not to say it isn't at the moment, of course, but there's definitely some elements that could be improved. And there is some good ideas that the, the 
the trust that in that document there is some good stuff equally there's some stuff which i'm sure we will touch on shortly which is bordering on the ridiculous um i, I just think they should be working together and, and another example of that there was there was a tweet i saw today um that i think the trust have spoken to the council to to request that the land where the athletics track is 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 not put up for development and is turned into a swimming pool and a and a 4g pitch or something and or a velodrome yeah that was the other a, option. a velodrome cycling is massive um it it yeah i i just think they should be working with the club on that because that may benefit the community is it going to benefit the cobblers I mean, maybe and slightly, I don't know, but speak to the club and work out what, you know, I mean, the trust know what the, the club's plans are for that, that they've seen them, we've seen them. Like, so speak to the club and, and work together on them and see if there's a compromise or whatever and stuff. I just think, you know, this stuff is all very commendable and I'm on board with a lot of it. And but equally, there's some bits that I just think, you know, work together on it rather than against each other. The, the time's come, I think, for a lot more unity and, and, infighting between you know sec- sections of fans the club the trust whoever it may be it doesn't help and, and and you know everyone's got an opinion that's and everyone's entitled to that opinion it's just i just think we could do a lot more if everyone worked together yeah i i definitely agree i think that's probably the 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 thing that we should really be hoping for um out of all of it i i like the fact that fan ownership is being discussed you know how can we do that how does it work for other clubs how does you know how could this work for us um in the future i i don't think it's a bad conversation to be having whatsoever it's not it's, it's absolutely not it, it and and i think anyone that is closed off to even thinking about or investigating fan ownership is is wrong in my opinion uh, i don't think we should ever be closed off to new ideas and stuff that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be that those ideas aren't immune from criticism or constructive criticism and that, that's the same for the club you know the, the the club are open and they're not immune from criticism or constructive criticism where it's relevant either ultimately everyone just wants a good outcome and a, and a good future for the club right yeah definitely let's um let's have a quick chat about this document then Neil that you so beautifully put onto Twitter for us uh, at the meeting um, it caused a bit of a stir um, everybody at the meeting um, was given a copy of project proud to be um, and then later on a trust board member actually distanced himself from that document on the hotel and message board I right, f- first question here what did you make of the document uh it seemed like a school project um if i'm honest uh it, it seemed and I, I don't i don't really like saying that because it's good intentions and they're volunteers and they've taken this is they're not, they're not paid for any of this and they're doing it for their love of the club and all that sort of stuff which is commendable and and i'm not faulting that element what i am faulting is there wasn't enough context in it there was a lot of buzzwords and keywords and stuff that just didn't make sense. And there was also equally, there were some really good bits in it. The problem is those good bits got lost in a lot of the noise and nonsense that was in there. So, I mean, there was part about tactics and stuff, which on the face of it, you know, 
why he is even talking about tactics and getting involved in tactics and stuff. And I don't think that was the point of it, but that's how it came across with how it was written. There was a point about the type of players we want at Northampton. And the list was was ridiculous. Everyone's seen it. And, And then there was a question at the end, you know, about how many of the current squad can we say that about? I mean, that's not going to help in any way, shape or form. If I'm a, a current Cobblers player reading that, I'm instantly thinking, cough off. It's a problematic one, that. Well, I think to your point there, that is something that um, will be high, will probably have been highlighted within the club. Um, I, I wouldn't ever say that I particularly know the mentality of football players, but I spent a fair bit of time around them without ever really sort of being their mate or anything when I was doing the job and that is something that will get passed around the dressing room and you know or are you are you fearless you know and used for like banter purposes among them and I think you're on a bit of dodgy ground with that if you start overlapping into into sort of the world of the dressing room and the manager and tactics and stuff because it is that is a very separate world isn't it to you know the, the sort of the director's lounge and the and the corporate end of the club and the community element of the club. Um, but I, I, I can, there were some good ideas in it, you know. I, I actually would be for, um, you know, more emphasis on bringing in young players because a big part of where it's kind of gone a bit wrong for me in the past couple of years and why I've found myself um, struggling to, I guess, engage with the football club is because the turnover of manager and players is just so vast. I, I don't know who people are. Um, I listened to a commentary a while ago and um, good old Tim Oglethorpe was going through the team sheet and I was thinking, I don't even know what position some of these guys are. I don't know who they are. They, they don't know. <laughs> and, you know, they're on loan. You know, these, 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 and it's, that's always been a thing with Northampton, of course it has. But they've got four players on loan and, you know, one player comes in and plays six games and then they're gone. And then they change the manager after six months and he brings in a load more players. And I've just found it a bit disconnected. Um, and I don't know if that's, that's true for a lot of fans. It's just my experience. So there were things in there where, you know, trying to get an identity uh, in your playing style in terms of bringing through younger players that I think I would support, but it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a dubious one, isn't it? To be, to be going in and saying it straight, you know, straight off the bat to suddenly, to be wanting to have an influence, you know, on, on especially tactics. I mean, and stuff like that. The, the thing for me wasn't so much what was actually in the document. I mean, okay. Yes. We all had a bit of a, oh my gosh, is this real moment at first? But the, Overall, over the whole course of that Sunday, the the biggest thing for me and the problem that I've actually got is the fact that later on in the evening, a trust board member wrote on the hotel end to to say, I I didn't approve that. It's got nothing to do with me. And it, it came across to me as if there was a division within the trust's board now at a time when the trust is you know we've been critical of the trust for lacking communication to its membership um for you know not really trying to mend its relationship with the club um and here it here it is or here it was in one day the trust not being 
all on the same page together. That was the thing that was worrying for me, was the fact that you've got a group of people that have, well, somebody has put that uh, document together and then somebody else or potentially the same person has then printed off a hundred copies and left them on the seats for all the attendees to actually take home with them and to have a look through. And then you've got a board member actually turn around and going, this has got nothing to do with me. I don't approve this. As far as I know, this wasn't put to the board to approve and, and to put out. That was what has actually worried me the most. And you think if that's if that's the impression it's given you as a fan, imagine what it's been, how that's been received by Kelvin Thomas and you know the the other directors of the club. Mm. They're not going to treat it seriously at all if it's if you know it's that sort of disparate thing. Well, um, I think I think that's fair to say. That out, really. It's I think it's fair to say that it has not been received very well from certain areas of the club, shall we say. Um, it's a difficult one isn't it because you don't want that to detract from the good work that they're trying to do and it it is easy I guess to concentrate on that document and, and actually we, we probably shouldn't because we should try and concentrate on the elements of it that are good and, and, and the stuff the good stuff that is trying to come out of it. it my overall takeaway from it is that document is a little bit them trying to run before they can walk and and they just need to kind of take it a step back a little bit and and just think it through a little bit more and and you know a lot of that stuff is very commendable and I absolutely agree with what you said Jeff I think you know you'd be mad to be against us having a bit of a, a playing identity and bringing through younger players and and having an actual you know a, a plan for the playing department and stuff and you know this is what you know we're going to do with the club this is how the style we want it to be and stuff that is all commendable and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with any of that. Um, but I, I think you just need to sort of slow down almost a little bit and, and sort of just work it out properly rather than almost rush it out. Like it's, it felt that that was a bit of a rush document just with some sound bites here and stuff. And it said things like brand synergy and, and things like that to every, everyday fan in the street. That's utter nonsense. You know, you can't just say brand synergy and expect people to be like, well, that sounds great. You need to put context behind it and you need to actually explain what that means. And, and that's where it lacked. That's um, the thing with having the sheets on the on the chairs and stuff is um, is also problematic because while there might have been these great speeches from these people from Exeter and Portsmouth and other people, the, the thing that people will literally take away is the printout. And that's the thing that people will look at um, and post to social media. And that will be the thing that gets scrutinised um, unless there was some way for them to film the entire thing and make that video available. The bits of paper are the things that the people in the room are going to walk out with. So it's kind of like a, a bit of a PR, not not an own goal, but it could have perhaps been done a bit better that. It is an own, um, no, it is an own goal. It, 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 I think it was. You're having an own goal. Okay, right. Yeah, I've taken that, Jeff. <laughs> um, yeah, because like this, you know, whenever you go to a press conference and stuff, they'll give you the handout as well. And in, you know, in the handout is the message that they want to get across um, because that's the thing that's that's po- literally populating the room. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, I thought it was a point worth making that. Um, and that, that's why a lot of people are on talking about the document. Yeah, you're 100% right. I, I was there and 
for a lot of the time I was reading through the document while the while the speakers were, were talking and stuff. So inevitably I didn't catch everything they were saying. And I was, you know, trying to keep my partner awake and have a read of this document. She, she looked at it and was like, that's not going to help me be any more interested. That's that's ridiculous. And it did detract from, from the good stuff that the people at the front of the room were saying. It, it's absolutely true. And, and that's the thing I took away from it, that document. And I was like, this, this isn't a good start here. So it's not lost and it's not it's, you know, it's not going to ruin anything like that it just needs a bit more thinking about i think well the the trust that have issued the following statement to us um this came from chairman andy roberts he said the document as with other preparations of the meeting came under the scrutiny of the working group and did not require approval from all trust board members it was seen prior to the meeting by five board members who were involved with the working group, myself included. The document includes case studies of community ownership initiatives across the world of football and is designed to stimulate debate as part of the trust's exploration of the subject. The document does not represent a trust proposal for community ownership at Northampton Town. It was intended purely for discussion and this was made clear in its introductory section. Its contents may be included in full, in part, or not at all when a finalised trust proposal, which would require full board approval, is brought forward at a later date. So there we go. That's the trust uh, statement. And we will now move on and maybe actually talk about some football. Crossball comes in from Hoskins, right footed. Dyson headed towards the goal against the crossbar. Back into the six yard line. Off the line. Handball. It's handball. A free kick to Exeter. My God. Oh, well, Exeter. All the covers are given. Oh, he's the given goal. it. He's given it. There's a bit cobbler's player down inside the six yard box. And I think it's Aaron Pierre, the cobbler skipper, who got the last touch. Well, it was clearly a handball <laughs> as the uh, effort made its way over the line. But Aaron Pierre scores for the seventh time this season to open the Coppers account. The first effort against the crossbar and then turned in from close range by the Coppers skipper. The free kick, which hands in the wind on the edge of the exit of penalty. A free out for Pierre. Picks it up to Powell. Powell left hand side of the penalty. Across the face of the ball. Oh, yeah. Williams. Andy Williams scores from close range. Whipped it across by Daniel Powell. And Andy Williams makes it nine for the season with a smart right foot finish from close range. And Northampton Town edge ever closer to their third consecutive victory. The penalty. Headed towards goal. Great by Cornell, but turned into the left from close range. And the centre back Aaron Martin gives Exeter hope here. Brilliant first save by Cornell, but he couldn't get the ball away from the danger zone. And there was Martin to uh, score from very close range to make it Cobblers 2, Exeter 1. long throw into the heart of the penalty area weighed by Newport only up in the air though uh, falls now for Joe Powell first time shot by Powell yeah! screamer absolute screamer from the West Ham Lodi Joe Powell from 25 yards and it finds its way to the top left hand corner of the net Northampton strike late to keep their playoff ambitions alive and that is a pearler from Joe Powell Northampton Town 1 Newport County nil. 
Yes. What about the playoffs now then, matey boy? <laughs> hey! <laughs> Seven games unbeaten, four wins in a row, 11th place in League Two, and six points off the playoff spots. We've got to be happy with those two results, haven't we, guys? Yes. 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 Let's start with Exeter. Um, Neil, you you were at the game, weren't you, at Exeter? I was, yep. I went you were? in the East End. Um, in the, oh, windy. Salubrious surroundings. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, um, I actually thought it was a pretty good performance. Um, especially going by, you know, recent home performances haven't been been the best, shall we say? And it's been they've been pretty dull games. I actually thought it was a pretty good game. There was quite a bit of pressure, really, on the on the team wasn't wasn't there to perform in that in that home game because obviously the last two home games before that we had a board draw against Crawley, and then before that was the was that the Colchester game before that the last home game before Crawley, and and obviously we got absolutely hammered then. It, it, it was, it was, yeah, yeah. For the 4-0, and then it was away at Tranmere, away at Lincoln, and then the 0-0 with Crawley. Good. Someone's been doing his research. I, I thought it was a good performance against Exeter, and I, and I think we deserve to win. Um, I thought we probably should have maybe won by 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 a bit of a clearer margin. Um, but even when they pulled one back, you know, it was never really a point where I felt that they'd score. Um, and I thought it was a pretty comfortable victory all round, really. And there wasn't really anyone that had a bad game. Um, there's not really much else to say. I thought the the second goal was was quite good. I thought Daniel Powell had a really good game actually, um, and then not so much again on Tuesday against Newport. But we'll come on to that. Um, I thought Ash Taylor had a good game. Surprisingly for me to say that, um, he's been having quite good games fairly recently though. It's, it wasn't just Exeter. He's, he's his form has definitely improved in recent weeks. It has improved, hasn't it? And not that it dropped in the first place. Obviously, <laughs> well, depending on who you ask, no, his form's never dipped. <laughs> um, I, I think that's the point. Yeah, he's back to sort of a solid level of performance now, isn't he? He still distribution still frustrates me, and he still runs like he's pulling about seventeen caravans. <laughs> but <laughs> he's been solid, and he's won a lot in the air, and he's been a lot better. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a good performance at Exeter. You know, that I was a bit disappointed with Exeter, to be honest, because, you know, they've been in and around the playoffs for almost all season, haven't they? And I don't know, they, they were missing a couple of players, weren't they? But even still, I thought they were poor. Uh, they, I mean, they brought on... Was it the, the Exeter fan last week on, on the podcast was saying, oh, any League Two team would be happy to have Hiram Boateng in their squad or in their starting yeah. 11. I mean, that's a ridiculous statement. Um and he came on, he actually showed a couple of nice touches, but that was more to the point, I think, of how poor they'd been playing. Um, so I was unimpressed by Exeter and impressed by Cobblers. Well, let's look at the Tuesday night's game then at Newport. It was a bit boring, wasn't it, Jeff? Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I... Um... I, I like the eye follow thing. I did it for I actually I think I actually did it for Newport away earlier in the season. So whenever we play Newport, I'm I'm all over iFollow for Newport. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a really good option, and I don't know. I know you've had Kel, you had Kelvin on before, didn't you? And you asked him about how much the club actually makes out of it, and he was a bit sheepish about it. So, um, but I think it's re- it's a great option if you don't like being cold 
And that was always a thing that, well, one of the many <laughs> things I hated in the end about covering the cobblers was that it's always freezing. Um, so I watched it in bed on my laptop last night, and that was great. But the, because I was watching it in bed, I think I'm pretty sure I did fall asleep. <laughs> you know, you know, like when you're not really sure, you sort of, did I just fall asleep or not? Um, especially, especially in the second half when kind of like, and I saw, I saw dozens of games like this where it was like nothing was happening for ages at a time and it's, uh, and that's actually quite a really weird thing to think in a game of football that nothing is happening because stuff is happening isn't it it's just not particularly interesting um and it just it was one of those games wasn't it where you, it's the classic cliche it's going to take an error or an, an amazing goal to decide it either way and it was an absolutely brilliant strike um guy is on loan from west ham yeah that's right. That right yeah mm-hmm. yeah oh, see, look at that um yeah a brilliant goal fit to win any game and like they're on a that's four wins in a row and i can't remember too many times when i was doing it and you know in the last few years and all the years before that when i was supporting them where they were doing things like winning four games in a row well, the last time that it happened was under Chris Wilder in the promotion season. So you'd already quit by then. So you didn't get to see it. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was following it very carefully then. Like the, the, that's, that's a real anomaly of a season, isn't it? Increasingly, that Wilder season. Like it really sticks out as all these crazy records were set that will never be, never be beaten again. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like, it doesn't seem like that long ago that people were saying, Oh, I'm not sure about this Keith Curl, you know. Oh, I think we might have to we might have to make a bit of a change here. And he'd been there for like five games or something. And um it just shows you how quickly the mood changes, doesn't it? Because now, I mean, Tim bless him, Tim on his commentary. And I know this is something that's a common an ongoing theme with you boys on the podcast with Tim, the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> points off. We are we are starting points. to have to eat our words, aren't we, really? Or nearly is anyway. Yeah, what about right. that, matey boy? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Tim, you'll have to get Tim on a special Wembley episode of this podcast. <laughs> apologise to him. You get down on your hands and knees on Wembley way and apologise. Well, don't make Tim. it weird, Jeff. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, six points. It's like there's still plenty of games to go. What, do you reckon they could? It, well, if we were sat six points, if we were say if we were fourth and we were six points behind third, we'd definitely be saying, "Tell you what, we've got a, we've still got a real good chance of going up automatically." Yeah, uh, and equally, if we were six point, if we were, you know, twenty second in the league and six points ahead of twenty third, would be would be, uh oh, we're in danger. Here. There's still a real chance we could go mm. down. So th- there's there's a there's absolutely a real chance we could make the playoffs. My only concern and my only caveat to that is we've had a very very up and down season. This is the first time this season where we've put together a run like this. And how long can it last? It, wouldn't it be ridiculous though? I mean, this this is my thing about this season is that we have spent three quarters of the season just saying how awful we are and how everything is. You know, you know, fold the club, get rid. You know, I can't be bothered anymore. Don't care about this. It, it hurts too much. All of a sudden, we're six points off the players. Imagine if we got to Wembley. Imagine if we actually got. Even if we don't get promotion, we we make it to the playoffs. People will remember this season in the same way that we remember seasons like ninety six, ninety seven, ninety seven, ninety eight. Even even. 
the Eddie the Boy- Boothroyd Wembley season. Never happened. You still, I know it never happened, but we we still remember those as being decent seasons. I don't. Okay. <laughs> you wouldn't. I don't remember. The last 90 minutes of the Boothroyd season was, was probably one of the most painful 90 minutes in club's history, I think. It was horrific. Yeah, the Wembley. Wasn't it horrific? I, my hangover had kicked in already as well. So not only was the game ridiculous, I was struggling in the stands as well. It, I, yeah, it's consigned to the the memory box. I was done. I'm done. We're not talking about that, Charles. No. The um that game on Tuesday. Um, interesting to see what you boys think on this because like it was just, it was a game that could could have gone either way, couldn't it? You know, is it just that they're getting the breaks now in these games, or are they doing anything differently to what they were doing, you know, a month ago? Or and another thing as well is apparently this guy, the guy Good at the back, is very very good. I'm hearing he is. What, what what's what's where's it all going right? Oh well, do you know that first half against Newport? Newport could have been what two or three nil up, mm. and they hit the bar fairly yeah. early on. Jamil Matt was a threat, wasn't he, um, going forward? But to me, it just looks like we're playing with more of a confidence in our own ability as a team now. There seems to be more of a togetherness within the squad, um, a, a better understanding of how they are meant to be playing football, um, the Keith Curl way or however you want to put it. And luck is also going our way. There was there was also a, a chance early in the second half for, for Newport where... I think again, it was it was either Matt or it was Amond who, you know, had a pretty much an open goal, looped it over onto the the the, the top of the net rather than it going in. And Cornell, if that had been on target, if that had come under the cross, Cornell wouldn't have stopped it. He was in no man's land. So we are getting lucky as well, and maybe that's because we're playing well. You make your own luck, they say, don't they? There's an, there's definitely an element of luck. Uh, equally, there, there's an element of going back to basics a little bit. Um, he, he, he tried the, the the mysterious curl three five two, didn't he, for a long time, and he seems to have ditched that a little bit lately and and gone a bit more solid at the back and and sort of just stripped it back a little bit. And I think that's helping. Or is he still playing three five two? It's quite hard to tell, isn't it? I'm pretty sure we've got a flat back four at the moment with Good at right back, Buchanan left back, and then Taylor and Pierre. That's what I thought it was. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. And, and Good, Good has been a revelation. He's been, he's come in and and he's completely ruined that misconception that lone players don't care, um, and, and that lone players is he, is the absolute opposite. He's throwing himself into everything. He, he played with that face mask on on Saturday through the pain barrier and he clearly cares and he's clearly giving as much as he possibly can do and, and, and added to that he's a good defender you know he's he's relatively no nonsense and he's exactly the sort of defender you need in league two to to get you up the league uh, and I think there's there's definitely something in the confidence side of things uh, I think they're they're all a bit more confident in their roles now they know they sort of know what is expected of them and and as long as they each player is doing their job, generally it seems to be working. Um, there's, there's still some areas of concern, and there's still some areas that aren't quite good enough. And as Danny's not here this week, I'll pick up on it. Sam Hoskins is, is, is still not good enough. I, I watched 
last night, Tuesday, against Newport, and the amount of times he got into a position against their left back, it would have been, I guess, um, or their right back, whichever whichever side he was on, and he couldn't beat him. He, and with the pace he's got, you'd expect him to be able to at least knock it past and beat him, but he couldn't. And and probably ninety five percent of the time, he just kicked it straight into the defender and it was so frustrating. So there's things like that, but the way it's going at the moment, that's, you know, we can cope with that at the minute, you know, we'll get through till summer and who knows, we might end up in League One. I'm Chris Hargreaves and it's all cobblers to me. Right, let's move on. Let's have a look into your post bag for this week, Neil. Postman. Neil. Postman. Neil. Postman. Neil. It's black and white cat. Early in Good stuff. Thank you for that, Charles. Uh, this week we asked, as we've got our guest presenter, um, Jefferson Lake of WWE fame, <laughs> we asked for your questions for him. And how many do you think we got, boys? Well, I know how many we got. <laughs> <laughs> we got none. We got a grand total of none, Jeff. Is that, I mean, I am very, very uninteresting. And I am amazed. <laughs> I'm amazed at the amount of Cobblers fans that still follow me on Twitter because, I mean, I was pretty dull when I was covering the Cobblers and, I, and now I'm even more dull when I don't cover them. I literally bring nothing to the table. Um, <laughs> that's fine, you know. I, I can handle there being no questions. We'll just go on to the next segment. It's cool. <laughs> we've got we've got some other unrelated questions. Oh. So we've got, uh, is Grimsby a six-pointer? That's come from ex-podcast presenter Danny. Uh, Northampton are 11th on 51. And Grimsby are 16th on 47. So I suppose it is really because they'd go quite a bit away from them, wouldn't they? <laughs> I, I like the way that you are actually taking on Daddy's mantle here and being all serious about stats. <laughs> I like to do it in his style. It's going to be faithful to his style as much as possible. Um, you nailed it. Did I? Oh, brilliant. Okay, so I'm, yeah. I'm hired. Um, it, yeah. You know, yeah, yes, it is. Yes, it is a six pointer. Yeah, it is. They're all six pointers from now on, right? Every every game is a six pointer. Nine cup final and a cup final. I, I, That's it. Nine yeah. cup. When final. players used to say that, and they used to say it quite a lot, nine cup finals. I used to think, wouldn't it be brilliant if they had to record nine cup final singles uh, one, 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 <laughs> to build up to each game? Uh, been marvelous, and get the suits cut, you know, and everything for each game. But uh, sadly, it never. happened. We only ever had one, didn't we? The uh, the Sixfields Boys song oh, that yeah. we spoke about last that week. That was brilliant, yeah. Big fan Warehouse, wasn't it? Yeah, huge fan of that. Danny also asks, after the stunning late goal from Powell, what is our goal of the season so far? And why is it Sam Hoskins' goal at Tranmere? It's not anymore. I'm taking Joe Powell's. I'm Joe ta- Powell's is a better goal. Agree. I'm taking Joe Powell's that's over the, the Sam that's Hoskins. The only one goal. I've seen. So yeah, that one. Actually, speaking of the um, the Hoskins goals at Tranmere, I thought the first one was brilliant as well. Um, I'm sure you covered it at the time. I think you did actually. The way he sort of accelerates away and makes positions his body, gets gets a shot off, and that right into the corner. I thought that was just as good. Did has he ever said if he meant the second one? He has. He said he meant it, oh, okay. but I mean, he's going to. Of course, yeah. yeah. He, went, he meant to put it in the yeah, exact he... spot yeah. <laughs> that, he couldn't, that he couldn't see. <laughs> there was a guy, wasn't there? There was a guy that, that scored a, a goal, was it for Derby? Um, that was similar to Sam Hoskins, but it was 10 times better and he definitely, definitely <laughs> meant it. It was a brilliant finish. Um, we've got another one. So Daniel Owens, uh, the, the, the guy that went with Sam Hoskins to Bella Italia oh, okay. is keen 
is keen to point out that since that meeting, Cobblers have been six games undefeated and he feels like he's due some kudos for it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not giving it oh, to him, though. Okay. Because we're, we're seven undefeated, aren't we? So it started before that. It's got nothing to do with him <laughs> going to Bellator. The fact is that he didn't go to where he was actually meant to take Sam Hoskins for tea. And it, he didn't pay for the meal either. The club did, or the partners, you know, <laughs> Bella Italia as a sponsor did. So to take sorry, Sam Dan, Hoskins but, for tea, no, yeah, I do like the fact that it, it worked so well as a PR thing for the club. It is yeah. really good that they did that. But I, I, I still think because originally he said that he was going to, he would take Sam Hoskins for Carter. Yeah. Is it Carter and Miller, the state? Yeah, of course. And that's yeah, you know what that expensive. was, though, don't you? Between the football club and uh, Bella Italia, it was an example of superb brand synergy. Right, we've got a couple more questions. Uh, a couple of late questions in for you, Jeff. Okay, brace yourself. <laughs> What's your message to those people that say wrestling is made up? That comes from John on Twitter. Um, if anyone has seen the film the page film fighting with my family in that they say uh, someone says is is it fake and they say it's not fake it's fixed there's a crucial distinction so the outcomes are predetermined and obviously a lot of the moves and stuff are choreographed but they do get hurt every every night and the thing the weird thing is is the fir- the very first thing they're taught in wrestling classes is to fall backwards land on your back without using your arms and just think everyone listening just think about doing that and how unnatural that would feel just to fall backwards and that's that's called taking a bump and that does really hurt and they do that many many times every night so uh, what's the question is it fake of course it is fake but (laughs) but it's also uh, very painful and a very uh, athletic thing to do um yeah, a lot of people were a bit confused when I when I took this job on because it isn't isn't real, but it has, it's been, you know it's been good fun and it does open a lot of um, opportunities to do all kinds of different things, um, as you mentioned earlier about taking top of interviews and things like that. But actually doing sort of video interviews and um, and lots of kind of boring behind the scenes stuff, of working with a, a broadcast partner and things like that. Um, it's been good fun. I've really enjoyed it. And, and I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. And I know it's, in fact, very few people's cup of tea. But um, it's something I really liked as a kid and I've got back into as an adult. It's big business though, isn't it? It's massive. Um, I think they did a, they put an announcement out the other day that they've actually, um, WWE have overtaken, I think they overtook Disney and Marvel or something in terms of like their, social some kind of like social metrics and their um youtube uh, account has actually got 40 million subscribers um so yeah it's huge and it's it's quite important as well to sky because it was one of the first things that was on sky uh before there was even sky sports there was wwe on sky I mean, it's wwf then and it was on sky one and the big events were actually on sky movies so it's something that has been a a cornerstone really of the sky business for it's uh, 30 years this year. So it's quite important to sky. Um, but I do totally understand why people don't like it. 
Uh, we'll end the post bag there. Um, look out for next week's question. As always, you can contact us on Twitter. Uh, or on our Facebook. Alternatively, you can email us or send us a letter or shout us at games, whatever. Um, but feedback and questions always welcome. I'm Chris Freestone, and it's all cobblers to me. Lovely. This weekend, the cobblers travel to Blundell Park then to take on Grimsby and are looking for a fifth straight win. To help us preview the game, we turn to Mariners fan Alex Green. Since we last met you, it's been a season of inconsistencies. I mean, who would have thought a mid-table side would be so um, so up and down? Uh, and up and down it's been. Uh, Michael Jolly went on to one manager of the month in December after five wins in six, uh, only losing to Cheltenham uh, in December. Great stuff, pulled us away from the um, pulled us away from any chance of getting relegated, uh, and it was all up and up. And as you can tell, with this sort of squished middle table. We had a real chance of perhaps moving on the playoffs. And then January came along and uh, we proceeded to lose everything. Apart from a very uh, hard-fought defeat to Crystal Palace in the FA Cup, uh, which saw us down to 10 after about 30 seconds, we really struggled to get any sort of consistency out of it. And it was a very disappointing uh, couple of games, actually, coming from January. We lost, uh, I think we lost all of them, actually, uh, come to think of it, apart from at the very end against Milton Keynes. And then it was on to February and everything had turned around again. And again, uh, more impressive performances. 3-0 wins against New- Newport County, 3-1 uh, win against Yeovil, beat Cheltenham again, drew uh, and played pretty well against Swindon. And Jolly was again, I was actually quite unlucky not to uh, win another Manager of the Month trophy. But we seem to be picking up a pattern because now March has come along and we've fallen like a stone. After we'd drawn with Swindon, we were very much looking at perhaps a pretty favourable run. Uh, aside from Trammer and Berry, we've got no one in the top seven left to play. So we were all hoping that you never know. It could have been a season where we came from nowhere. But we lost to uh, Lowly Cambridge by uh, two goals to nil and really failed to, to make any impression. And on Saturday, we did pretty much the same against Crawley too. Really poor performances, which have left many uh, sort of scratching their heads as to why they were so inconsistent. Then yesterday, we got absolutely pummeled by Tramir, four goals to one, yet the performance in that was much better than the two uh, previous games that I'd mentioned. And that's kind of where we see ourselves. I wouldn't want to accuse our players of being on the beach, but I think a couple of them were wearing Kiss Me Quick hat and and, uh, a couple of sombreros. And that's probably it for us. We're not going to go anywhere else. It's just sort of a matter of pride and where we find ourselves. Uh, and slowly building for next season. And that's in a pretty good place, actually. We, unlike most times where a season rolls by, it's now all changed, please. We've got quite a few of our contracted players still on uh, and on for next year. And hopefully it's just a case of tweaking and bringing in some some players and, and seeing where we can improve on the squad. In terms of what we've got at the moment, young local man Harry Clifton, who's recently been called up to the under-21s uh, Wales squad. Don't ask when I said local and then Wales squad. I don't understand it either. He's always very creative, very um, hard-working, exactly what you'd expect from someone who has grown up with their, and playing for their hometown club and will hope continue to develop and expect him to be sort of the engine if he's on the, uh, on the pitch when he played against Tramier. He was pretty much like that as well. Up front, Wes Thomas is... Every sort of word that you're describing a Theosaurus that could be described as lazy, but don't let that fool you. He is very, very uh, accurate with his shots, apart from like, the spawn from the penalty spot. He was a fantastic strike against Crawley, our leading goal scorer this season. Uh, he's always a threat, so always keep an eye out for him. While at the back, Ludwig Oman is becoming a little bit of a cult hero. Recently joined us uh, in January from Sweden. Uh, he is a rock of a man and will head everything away. Has a penchant for collecting red cars and could have potentially had two yellows against Crawley, but still didn't get sent off, though it was later clarified that the referee was just appalling. 
it, he's one of those figures that you would imagine will become a cult hero for us. He heads everything away and don't expect any sort of aerial bombardment to go anywhere near him because he is imperious when it comes to that. And speaking of imperious, we'll talk about our man between the sticks. Everything statistically would suggest this season we should be still within the relegation area and relegation fight. But if it wasn't for Jay McEwen, we would probably well be down there. Ask any Exeter fan and any other t- uh, team that have come up against him this season. He has been incredible and he will continue to, uh, to be so. He's been with us nearly for seven years now and he's just passed his 300th game for the Mariners. His love for the local team is probably the only reason he hasn't moved on yet and fully expect us to be desperately clinging on to him by the end of next season. He is a phenomenal keeper and if you can get past him, I'd be a very lucky man to do so. But all in all... It is a game which, for once, when we play Northampton, it doesn't really matter. It's not an end-of-the-season game in which one could be automatically promoted and the other one couldn't. And it's not a game in which we're all at Wembley and uh, watching the Mariners get promoted to uh, League One. Uh, Sorry, Division One, as it was then. So, yeah, that's it from me. I hope you enjoy the game. Enjoy Blundell Park. Go to Steele's beforehand at Cleethops. It's a fantastic place to get fish and chips. Have a walk along the promenade. Go play on the 2P machine. It's a wonderful place to be and. The uh, way bar is fantastic as well. If you've got any sort of scars that you're happy to give away, they they like to adorn the um, bar with um, stuff from there. You'll see everything from our vast array of travels, everything from Premier League clubs down to uh, Chase Town and and so on. Uh, But yeah, thank you very much for having us uh, and we hope to see you again next season. Thank you. Bye. Thanks to Alex Green of the DN35 podcast. Don't ask me what that actually means. Nice of him to remind us of our second trip to Wembley there. Yeah, cheers for that. Uh, yeah, that's what we really wanted to hear. From his description of Grimsby, that sounds like exactly the sort of side you want to play at this point, isn't it? You know, got their flip-flops on, um, not really playing for anything. All the players are under contract for next season. It's like the, the, the checklist of who a team that doesn't really care that you want to play now and get an easy win. So, well, well you've, you've done it now, haven't you, Jeff? Yeah, that's it. Anchor four 0 defeat. First defeat in eight. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. He said about um, uh, Wes Thomas because I remember him playing against the Cobblers and being absolutely rapid. Um, and I can't remember who it was for. So I look. I've just quickly looked him up on Soccer Base, and it was one of these teams: Fisher, Dagenham, and Redbridge, Grays, Rushton, Cheltenham, Crawley, Bournemouth, Portsmouth, Blackpool, Birmingham, Rotherham, back to Birmingham, Swindon, Bradford, Oxford, or Grimsby. I think it was Cheltenham out of them. I think that's it's fair to call him a journeyman. Do you remember that? He was really fast. He, when he played for Cheltenham, I do, yeah. He, and, he, and he was really impressive as well, wasn't he? He, yeah. he looked a really yeah. good player. But the question is, was he a gentleman with his rapidness? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> it's never going to be forgotten, is it, that? No, it's not. Sorry. My overriding takeaway from that... Uh, sorry, what's the Grimsby fan's name? Alex. Alex was the comprehensiveness of his information that he has provided us with beats anyone else we've had on the podcast from the the opposition this year. And I'm not sure how I feel about it, Charles. Part of me thinks that they're all in competition with each other now. Every week, someone has to do better, go one better. Like we've heard today about a lot about their goalkeeper. And uh, ne- next week, we'll be hearing all about the assistant manager. <laughs> it, they've got a long way to go to beat the chap from Stevenage. 
So uh, Grimsby's last five results have seen them win once, drawn once, and lost three. In fact, their last three games they've lost, um, which, again, as Jeff said, good omens. They're 16th in League Two. As Alex said, Wesley Thomas is their top goal scorer. I, I don't think we've got anything to worry about whatsoever here, have we? No. No, we. I mean, we, we've said it before, haven't we? There's no, there's no good team in this division, really. Um, Lincoln are the most consistent, um, but the three times we've played them this season, you know, they've not been that impressive, have they? They've, you know, they've been functional and and confident and you know well drilled, but you wouldn't look at them and say, you know, they're yards ahead or or leagues ahead of everyone else in the division or anything. I think it's it's much of a muchness this league and. And Grimsby, uh, they, from what what Alex was saying, they're very up and down, uh, as we have been. Um, although we've we've sort of run into that bit of consistency now, so I think the way we've been performing, and and from what Alex is saying about Grimsby, we should be going there, looking to win the game, and and not expecting to win it, but we should be wanting to win it. And it's one of those games, you know, if we do have aspirations of a late playoff charge, then we need to win this. Would you take a draw? Uh, no, not now, not now, Jeff. So now the, the the draw record is 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 the dream is dead, and we can no longer get that. Then yeah. no, I, I wouldn't take a draw. Let's go for it. And I, and I think we, I would, you know, I'd take a draw if the game panned out, and I don't know, we were we were behind and we nicked a draw and stuff. Then great, but we we should definitely be going all out to yeah. win every game. So the referee then for this weekend's game is Mister Ollie Yates. Um, last time. He refereed a cobbler's game. Was the two-one home victory over Forest Green Rovers? Um, he apparently handed out seven yellow cards that day, um, but I don't really remember him having too much of an impact on that game. Do you guys? I can't remember Charles. If I'm honest, he's not. I don't recognise the name. Uh, and generally, if you don't recognise the referee's name, then there's not too much concern. As the we've got a list of, of four or five referees that, when their name crops up, we panic. Um, he doesn't strike me as one of those looking at it and, and you know, what's he done? 32 games, uh, 120 yellows in total and five reds. It's, it's not, not a bad record for a referee. It doesn't seem like he's overly card happy. So I think we'll be fine with him hopefully. Yeah, I think so. I don't think that there's any, uh, you know, 32 games, 120 yellow cards. That's not that many, is it really? I mean, it, it's not like the, the guy that we had, on Saturday, who, who liked to hand out at least five cards every single game that he played, or refereed rather. So uh, we're going to go with your prediction first, Jeff, as the uh, as, as the guest. Well, as as I mentioned in the group chat, I did a prediction for every Cobblers game I covered, which was ten years, so probably about five hundred games. And I, I don't actually remember getting any right. I, I think I said three or four in the group chat, but I might have been that might be an exaggeration. So whatever I say will almost certainly be wrong. Um, with that in mind, should I just go for a Grimsby win just to get you know guarantee I get it wrong and then guarantee that they win? Um, all seriousness, I'm going to go one all. Ooh. 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 Brings back memories of the, the famous Ryan Gilligan late goal. Oh, what a day that was. That would be a good one. For, if you get Walshy on, that would be a good one to talk to him about. That was quite interesting that day. That was a great day, um, Charles. What's your what's your prediction? Well, I, I I'm on a little bit of a roll at the moment, aren't I? I've managed to actually predict the last two games 
uh, that we've covered on the podcast anyway, that we've previewed on the podcast and got the uh, result right at least, um, if not the bang on with the scoreline. So there's, I feel like a, there's a little bit of pressure on me now, if I'm honest. There is, mate. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, I'm going to I'm going to say two nil cobblers. Oh, yeah. And I, I and I think that we're going to get. Uh, goal, goal scorers are coming from everywhere at the moment, aren't they? They're not. There's not like one player that's actually consistently scoring every single week. Um, so I'm out of thin air. I'm going to go with a David Buchanan goal, <laughs> and wow, uh, the other goal will come from um, if he's fit. I'll, I'll, Marvin Sordell. That that'll be the other goal. So Marvin Sordell and David Buchanan scoring in a two nil win. Bold, very bold. Jeff, who was your goal scorer? Very specific as well. Um, who is who is my goal scorer? Okay, uh, let's just have a look at the team from the other night. Um, <laughs> let's just remind myself of who plays for the Cobblers these days. Yeah. <laughs> um, they still got Martin Smith. Um, no, <laughs> we win. Get in. <laughs> yeah, actually, like I'm going to say Aaron Pierre, and I know he scored a lot of goals. And from that game the other night, I could see why. Because he, d- especially set pieces, obviously, he gets himself in some really good positions. I don't know if, like, with him, I wonder if he's, they've ever thought about playing him as a striker. Because you always used to see that years ago, centre-backs would have a go up front. Like, Chris Sutton, was that how he came about, wasn't he? And mm, yeah. Warhurst, the one. Like, I wonder if they've ever thought, let's give him a go up front. Um, and maybe if the season had sort of petered out and, and obviously could still do that. That's, what, that's one for Keith to bear in mind, I reckon my expert opinion. Um, yeah. Let's go one all. I'm going to go one all Aaron Pierre bullet header at a corner. Interestingly on the, the subject of, of defenders turn strikers or strikers turn defenders. We did similar with Kelvin Langmead, didn't we? Um, yeah. He had a spell up front, didn't he? And then reverted back to centre back. Mm. Scored a few though, didn't he? Yeah. That was a, that would have been a Boothroyd thing, I guess. Yeah. I mean, like Langmead is the perfect size for a A.D. Boothroyd striker. If anything, he's perhaps slightly too small. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the days. Prediction: I was going to go one all, Jeff. So you've stolen my thunder. Um, oh, can't we both do it? No, it's not it's how it works. No, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, I will go two one Grimsby oh Neil what are you doing oh, no. oh two, come on two one Grimsby I wouldn't have come on if I'd known it was going to be negative let's <laughs> <laughs> be fearless I thought you said you listened to us every week Joe. <laughs> <laughs> you're not being very fearless are you or what is it innovative or something or I don't know classy <laughs> we're definitely not classy I'm trying to think of the uh the adjectives whatever they are on the sheet. Well, I can tell you some of them if you'd like, Jeff. Would you like me to list a few of them and we can just compare ourselves to them? Oh, that's a good idea. Which, which, yeah, that's not a bad show, actually. Does, does, does this podcast fit that criteria? Let, let's have a look. So, rapid. No. Uh, well, I mean, that would apply, I guess, to how quickly, Charles, you edit it and, and publish it. I mean, if you turn it around really quickly, that's rapid, isn't it? I'll, I'll take that. Yes, I'll have. I'll have that, Neil. Thank you. Thank you. Fine. Green tick. Yeah, done. Resilient, no matter stature. 
Um, well, we're here every week, aren't we? We yeah, keep coming I'm back. Pretty, I'm pretty small. We're not a massive podcast yet. We're pretty resilient, so I think we can have a green tick for that. Yeah, yeah. The next one may be maybe a difficult one. Uh, intelligent. No, sorry, lads, that's not. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> every other week is fine, but this week that's no. awkward. <laughs> <laughs> we, need, we need Danny for that one. Like with that, in a. I mean, we're at risk of going down a massive rabbit hole here, but in a playing context, does that mean like an intelligent player, like, you know, like Peter Beardsley type or someone who is actually intelligent, you know, only sign players who have degrees in (laughs) just a team full of Clark Carlisle's and David Buchanan. Is that what you're saying? And Kenny Dusha. I think this is where they they need to clarify, isn't it? It's like, this is one of the finer details we need to be aware of. With this, before we go any further with this document <laughs> we've got a few more creative uh, i think we can claim creative yeah uh the next one's going to be a difficult one as well athletic i am doing a 50 mile run in july yeah. so please yeah, please guys. don't ignore me the fat one <laughs> you, you, you play golf a lot don't you um, that's not that's athletic athletic. Uh, come on <laughs> Smoke while playing it. (laughs) (laughs) I climbed the Alps. Uh, I did the. I climbed the Alps for charity uh, eighteen months ago and spent all my time walking up those mountains with a cigarette in my mouth. So, uh, (laughs) again, to throw it back to the footballer thing, uh, have there been many non-athletic professional footballers? Uh, John Hodge. Um, the ladder, um, the Luton player, centre back. Oh, the, the centre back, yeah. Is it McNulty? A, or, um, yeah, McNulty, yeah. yeah. But he's a brilliant player. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, he's got like, great we, positional sense, though, hasn't he? He reads yeah, the game well. Yeah. He doesn't have to be athletic. <laughs> it's like, so, uh, and you, the, the obvious one, Bayo, he's not what you'd describe as athletic, but he's a brilliant striker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we've got confident. I think we can claim confidence. Yeah. Uh, responsible. Uh, that's, that's a question mark. <laughs> Definitely is for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair point. Uh, versatile. We we do different types of episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the investigative stuff, haven't you, with Alistair Slow and you know the yeah. mm-hmm. reader Q and uh, listener Q and A with the post back. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, visionary. Ooh. Well, we we started the first Northampton Town Football podcast, yeah. didn't we? There you go. Yeah, visionary. Tick. What, Connected. What, what does that mean? Sorry, go on, Jeff. In in football terms, visionary. How do you relate that to a a, a League Two footballer? The other <laughs> stuff, actually, so far, the other stuff we've gone through so far, you can kind of link it to. Are you like intelligent? Like, are they? Are they do they have football intelligence? Like, sometimes you'll watch a game, won't you? And a I loathe to go back to it because he's playing really well at the moment. But Ash Taylor, quite often, when he was not playing as well as he is now, he'd just lump it anywhere and you could tell he wasn't thinking about it or anything. Mm. He just lump and lacked a little bit of football and intelligence at that time. Mm. So, but visionary, how do you... I mean, that's more for the, the management team, surely, and, and the structure yeah. of the club. You guys are visionaries, definitely. I think the podcast qualifies for that. We'll take that, Jeff. Uh, connected to their teammates and the community. Yeah. Well, we're 
we're connected to each other, aren't we? We're literally we... connected right now on this um, this platform thing here. Yeah. Green tick. Yeah. Green tick. Uh, leaders. Mm. Mm. I lead you. Yeah. Well, you yeah, lead more so. Yeah, so. yeah. It's yeah. a green tick for you, Charles. <laughs> it's a half a tick. Yeah. Uh, fighters, which I think we can we can tick that <laughs> and move on quickly. Um, Back to that pub in Ball Grimsby. carriers. Uh, we definitely get a green tick for the next one Uh, ball carriers we we all carry balls so happy days Um, technical (laughs) experts well this is quite a technical process isn't it so yeah I mean what what I do after this is quite technical and I'd like to say that I'm an expert at it the one thing we can we can level that actually we can we can claim we are we have technical expertise. We can out Keith Curl as not being a technical expert, as he was unable to understand how to access the podcast. So we had to go and interview him at the ground. So if we go by this, then unfortunately Keith has to leave as manager. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what is it? Four wins in a row that counts for nothing when you know faced with a lack of technical nous. So it's, 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 a ma- it's a major problem. It's a no from us. <laughs> uh, innovative. I, I mean, that's the. Is that not the same as visionary, really? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, just... And then the final one, gentlemen. Well, no, no, no. not having that. <laughs> <laughs> I see. It looks like we're out, boys. <laughs> we're out. Yep. Yeah. What were we talking about? We need a new. Well, I don't know, but I think it, I think it's clear we need a new fan-owned podcast. Definitely. Well, you've had a good run, anyway. Yeah, it's been fun. It was a pleasure. It's been fun. Twenty-five episodes in. It was an honour to do the last. Danny, week, da- <laughs> Danny's not going to like it. He goes away for one week, and we've been shut down. It all goes horribly wrong. <laughs> oh dear. That's it then. Another podcast over. Thanks to Jefferson Lake for joining us today. Danny will be back with us next week. Probably, maybe. Mm. Uh, thanks for listening. We're all off to find some gentleman footballers. Goodbye. So I don't get to come on next week. Is that what you're telling me? Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series. Hear our player interviews before anyone else and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.